Is that it, or are you scared? Please! Me scared? Don't be ridiculous! When you called Maroon, you told him you had the will. But you don't. When he finds out, he's going to be mad. He might try to kill you. I can handle a Hollywood cream puff. I just don't want the odds to change. So you cover my back. But if you hear or see anything, beat the horn twice. Yeah, that's it. Beat the horn twice. Cover your back. Boy, I'm ready. Duke, I is in the ground. Why, nobody gets this prop on Roger Rabbit. Everybody. Welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy. That's me and Jeremy. <laughs> What's going on? It's us. And we're joined uh, by now uh, D&D podcaster extraordinaire, but uh, also uh, uh, comedian, actor, uh, uh, cartoonist, Branson Reese. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, I'm i joining the call a little late. I forgot about... It's like time zones and then daylight savings. I... I fucked it all up. Hey, what's gonna? What, what, what are you gonna do? You know, it, it, <laughs> these things happen. And as you'll hear in the bonus episode, dear listener, this is a big part of being a parent. That's right. You know? It's <laughs> just this is something that you just come across a lot. It's like herding cats. Exactly. <laughs> just, just trying My to get college everybody. age son was just like he's needed to borrow money. <laughs> <laughs> I had to drive down to the bank uh, to yeah. get a withdrawal. Had him when I was seven. You know. I, um, this is, I don't really usually get to do this because we don't really usually have guests who have stuff out there that I can like plug randomly, but Branson is in one of my favorite, uh, short films, uh, the door on the left. Ooh, really? Yeah. Everyone go check it out. Katie Skelton. Go check out the door on the left. It's this, it's so strange and I don't even remember how I came across it initially, but it's just something that just came across my life. And it was like a, probably a year or two before I even met you. Like, I didn't know you at all. And then, like, when you started popping up as a cartoonist, I was like, holy shit, it's the guy from the door on the left. What? <laughs> it's so what is it? f- funny. I mean, Katie's an incredible filmmaker. She Watch her. I'm in another one of hers called Business or Pots. Or the, I'm not in, but she has another one, Pots and Tots. It's incredible. She's just, like, this extremely good filmmaker. But uh, Door on the Left is such a... Because there's a few people like that who know me from Door on the Left and then, like met me afterwards and i'm mm-hmm. like the direction she kept giving me and that was like uh you're terrified to say every word that you're saying <laughs> like imagine you're like a stick bug that suddenly became a person and you're horrified <laughs> <laughs> your biggest secret is that you can say words yeah it's like how it was yeah that's how she like walked me through that uh anyway great short everyone should watch it great short film everybody watch it uh i'll put it in the discord or whatever but you know speaking of watching things uh what have you watched this week jeremy oh okay i um so i this week i was really in the mood for like a heist like a heist movie 
like an inside um, man or a yeah yeah yeah. and so i was looking at like what was available readily on like the hbo max and uh they have all the oceans movies up now oh yeah and i'm a big fan of oceans 11 i've always enjoyed that movie it's good Uh, but i've seen it enough times so i was like i haven't seen oceans 12 since it was (laughs) uh in theaters and i don't remember liking it but maybe that's changed in the uh you know in the in the years since uh, and I have uh, terrible news for you, dear listener. Uh, it's <laughs> still awful. Bad movie. <laughs> Huge waste of my time. Do not recommend watching. <laughs> That's funny because I really liked that movie and 13 yeah. uh, when they came out. I don't remember why or what happens. Is that the one with Andy Garcia? Is like they fuck him again somehow, but bigger and uh, harder this time. No, 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 no. So uh, the story of it is that Andy Garcia is now uh, oh, he's out, on their team. He's out for revenge. No, no, he's on their team in the third one. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He's out for revenge in the second one. And he's he's found them all. And he's like, you're all going to fucking die unless I get my money back and also interest. Uh-huh. And so they're like, we got to mm-hmm. do another heist to pay him back because we all spent the money already. <laughs> and um, okay. they go to like Europe because they're like, we can't work in America anymore. We're too well known <laughs> or whatever. Uh <laughs> Famous heisters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. The worst way to do a heist is get famous. <laughs> like, like so much of Aaron Cohen, it's like we can't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everybody knows Borat now. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows Danny from prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Yeah, everything in the movie really feels like it's just like lazily kind of like the first thought that they had. And that's what they put into the script. Like, so it's like we can't work in America. We're too well known for the heist we did. And um, so we got to go to Europe and and do heists there. And then like they're doing like small ball heists and they keep getting like intercepted by another cat burglar who's he's called like the black fox or something like that and he, like, <laughs> i don't even remember he's this. like a french guy and he's like rich and he just steals for fun like he doesn't need it he just likes it i would assume after a certain amount of time you of doing heists you don't need it anymore because you've right you've yeah, stolen yeah. many monies i'm yeah. on a razor's edge right now of trying to if i've seen this movie or not because some of the <laughs> stuff you're saying pings me and other it's like never in my life the thing you'll remember the two things you'll remember from the movie is one is that the the scheme is they're trying to at the end the big scheme is they're trying to steal a faberge egg which is like possibly the least Mm. interesting thing you could steal (laughs) (laughs) that's a big gold egg right especially because these movies are for teenage boys that's who is that's who a heist movie is for i'm trying to steal a valuable note like who cares <laughs> that's the other thing is they try to steal like a like a piece of paper that's like the first transaction on the stock market you're like what who, who cares? fucking cares who cares <laughs> steal gold bars <laughs> do I have to spell this Steal-a-gun. out for you gun S- stacks of money <laughs> jewels <laughs> cool stuff not Fabergé eggs <laughs> But so they're trying to steal a Fabergé egg, and but the, the scheme involves like a hologram that they have like special made of like a it's like a three D hologram of a Fabergé egg that oh they're gonna God. like switch it out. Oh my for. God, I kind of remember that man. Maybe I memory hold this one. And then the other thing that you might remember from it is that the the way that they get themselves inside and get themselves close enough to the Fabergé egg is that they uh, they take Julia Roberts's character and they're like. 
this is really Julia Roberts. Let us in. Oh, I do remember that. I thought yeah. that was funny at the time, but I was like 13. Oh, what Reverend, do I know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing about it is that it's just it. it you can't do that because you open way too many questions about like if, if <laughs> Julia Roberts is real, then like. And Bruce Willis is involved in the movie. Real Bruce Willis is there. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I'm Bruce Willis in the movie as well as in real life. And this is, you know, so like if Julia Roberts is real and Bruce Willis is real, then George Clooney is real. And then why isn't he also like everyone's like, why? Well, you look so much like George Clooney. (laughs) It's like a genre problem. (laughs) (laughs) That would be really funny if like nobody was recognizing Casey Affleck. But he also like, (laughs) yeah, like I look just like Casey Affleck. Who's that? I gotta take your word for it. <laughs> you know, Ben Affleck from Chasing Amy? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, his brother. You remember you'll the know dumb me eventually guy in from Goodwill Hunting? <laughs> in 10 years, you'll know me from Manchester by the Sea. <laughs> yeah. And being canceled. <laughs> uh, so, the one, no, I, the one very funny thing from it, though, is... Uh, there's like the tech guy. There's the guy who's like weird and like, you know, like he's nervous and he loves little cameras and computers and stuff. Yeah. And his so the beginning is the best part of any heist movie, right? Is sure. like assembling the Putting team, it together, getting yeah. together and meeting everybody and whatever. And so this one is great because you already know the characters. So we're checking in on them. What's everyone been up to? What's everyone doing with the money? You know, and like some of them are like opening hotels and like collecting classic cars and that sort of shit and whatever. And then this guy is... um He's an open mic comic. <laughs> and his bit okay. is that he dresses up as a matador. <laughs> just like, you watch him on stage just like eat shit on a terrible joke that like the the it's the, the punchline is supposed to be like that he's like talking about something sexual and you're thinking he's talking about his partner but he's like and then I said mom and then the crowd does nothing. He's like, mother. And then he starts just like flapping his like red oh my God. cloth thing like a matador. <laughs> and it's like it's like way to bail himself out of the joke. That's a good bit. I mean, that reminds me of like 2017, 2018 or whatever, when all the like improv guys migrated over to stand up and everyone was like, get out. You like to stop doing these like weird character bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you like remember? Brett Davis just showing up to shows, like doing. Uh, he did the the best thing at, at the Hard Time show when he did, he did like a Coheed and Cambria character, <laughs> and the whole thing is he's just like this like weird teenager who just like looks at the floor and just is just like, do you know like the lore behind Coheed? Oh, I feel like I've seen him do this. Before. Brett rules. That's really funny. Yes, Brett rules. <laughs> do you remember when Zach Galifianakis was doing that thing where he was dressing up like um like an like an 18th century guy with a powdered wig and then like bombing on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, his whole thing would just be like, he would say ye. He'd be like, thank ye. Thank ye. (laughs) And then tell like dumb puns about, (laughs) about like the old, the colonial times. That was the whole thing. And he would just like, no one would laugh. (laughs) That's such a good story. (laughs) And it ends there. Like, as a story, it works really well. And then to be in the audience for a thing like that is like, <laughs> okay, well, I'm sure in two years when you recount this, it'll be very funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. This will be a very fun anecdote. <laughs> <laughs> that he did that. It was not funny at the time. But that was the point. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, what you're saying about Ocean's 11 or 12 reminds me that I also hated it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but 
I did love Ocean's 13. I was like, oh, they went back and did a good yeah, one. Yeah, I remember Ocean's 13 kind of like being like a bit of a return to form. It's, I mean, it's not 11, but I'm sure it's you know, still what can bad. be, yeah. you know, you got to <laughs> well, ask how yourself. How do we feel? How do we feel about the two sort of like Dark Horse and Ocean's 8 and the original uh-huh. Ocean's 11? So I haven't seen eight yet. I really do want to see it, though. Um, it it's good? on Max, so I'll probably watch it next week, honestly. Um, <laughs> but it looks pretty good. And I like the I like a lot of the people on the cast. And I heard it was OK. Um, it's fine. The, I saw it. It's like a six out of you ten. Did? Like, for sure. Like, yeah. yeah. It's not like, you know, this is really Julia Roberts. It's the level <laughs> like. Steal a Fabergé egg. Yeah. I'll say Isn't this for it. I can remember that thing? I saw it. Mm. <laughs> which that's the 12s didn't have i think yeah that's high <laughs> praise uh and then the original 11 i remember the only thing i remember from it is being like damn casinos looked like shit back then <laughs> <laughs> what is this a hotel yeah what is this somebody's like dad's basement this sucks <laughs> like i remember it, like i remember it looking like wood panel walls and shit and i'm yeah. just like this looks like a midwestern basement <laughs> There's like framed movie posters on the walls. Yeah. <laughs> or like the Godfather. You're like, this didn't even come out yet. What? <laughs> they knew. It's a model train around the ceiling. <laughs> Dads were so excited when the Godfather came out because all their framed posters like made sense for the first time. Finally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's like I used to have a joke about people who look like they were born waiting for someone to invent vaping, like just that type of character who like and the and the images them just like standing in the in front of a an a empty storefront where like one day there will be a vape shop. Just like yeah. I don't know what's gonna happen here, but it's gonna mean something to me. <laughs> yeah, just like, it's like birds just know to fly south, like that yes, guy exactly. just knows to wander there. <laughs> it's a migratory behavior. <laughs> My um, jingos anyway. and DC shoes have yeah. led me here. <laughs> the shoes, the shoes know. Yeah. Uh, Branson, what did you watch this week? I I had to pull up my letterbox uh, to check. Okay, so I wa- oh I watched some good ones. I watched uh, uh, the original Bad Lieutenant, the Ooh, Abel Ferreira, the Harvey Keitel movie. Yeah, very yeah, yeah. good. Intense movie. Really what is intense, the, really sweaty movie. What, what is the <laughs> premise? Of, so, the, I mean, he's a bad lieutenant. Like, it's Harvey Keitel <laughs> is a cop in New York, and he's, like, so bad that other cops in New York are like, Jesus, dude. Like, that's, like, how bad he is. <laughs> it's like a Serpico type of thing, or is it, like, a comedy? It's the it's, opposite. Yeah, it's not a comedy. It's like it's sort of like it's extremely Catholic. It's just like dripping with Catholic. And it like (laughs) it's so he like he sort of like starts this like path of redemption. But I was pretty into the the movie. It's just like, no, I mean, this guy is a piece of shit and it never really lets up. And even as he's like trying to redeem himself, it's like this is like a open sore of a guy. It's good. It's you can see it's like uh, it's influence on cinema since then. But it's like. Oh, it's a I put it on like after a, work, like to chill out and it did not do the job. The new version is the uh, what's his name? Uh, Herzog, the like ba- the port of call New Orleans with Nicolas Cage. Oh, yeah. Oh, that movie rules. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's good. So but good. I get why people were like, what the fuck? Because it's not a remake. It's just like, what if we had another really shitty cop in New Orleans? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What if you just had an evil person just wandering around doing horrible things to people? 
Yeah, the the Herzog one is less like just an evil guy, and it because it's Nicolas Cage, it's way more like this guy is also crazy. Yeah, like right. that's the other like the the new th- twist that they add is like he's also insane. <laughs> well, it's, you can't ask Nicolas Cage to be like. Is he ever scary? Like, is there ever a movie where like he's scary? He's scary in Bad Lieutenant. Like, there's there's a scene. Like, there's one scene where he, uh, someone is walking into their house and then they close the door and there's a mirror and he's like in the corner shaving oh, yeah. his face <laughs> like like just like looking directly at the person and like he like appears and he's like has an electric razor that he turns on he's like oh it's electric he, yeah yeah it's the electric razor and he's shaving his face and then he just like puts a gun to their head <laughs> and like Interesting. You just, the whole movie you're like who is he gonna kill he's gonna just murder yeah. a person i gotta say initially my thought was that's a less menacing way to shave but <laughs> now that i'm thinking menacing. about it the scene would be very silly if he didn't finish shaving because he'd have like all the cream all over <laughs> yeah. his face and shit <laughs> um yeah but bad lieutenant i saw when i was very young i haven't Ooh. seen it since high school um, I saw it at, I'm uh, 27, let's say, and I was, like, shocked. <laughs> I couldn't handle it. Let's 27's, say. like, a reasonable. <laughs> let's say 27. I overshot recently. I was uh, I was babysitting, and I was picking a kid up. This is like, two years ago now. I was picking a kid up from a camp, and I just, like, made a joke about being 20. And one of the counselors there was like, whoa, you're 20? And I'm like, no, I'm not actually and he was like, I was going to say, you look terrible for 20. <laughs> like, All right, let's learn. Don't lie about it. Yeah. Um, Brandon, what, what did you watch? Oh, okay. I watched um, a movie called, that I've been wanting to watch for a little while now. Um, and I think I've mentioned it on the show before, but it's called The Wanting Mare. Um it's a really bizarre film. Um, okay, so The Wanting Mare is a movie um, that currently canceled Shane Carruth, who directed Primer and Upstream Color, was oh, really yeah. a big fan. He was a big fan of, and he um, he was sort of getting this movie distribution and like really helping it. Um, and it, I believe, it came out last month. Like it really. It, it was like at a festival and like people had seen it and there had been reviews, but it just came out like on streaming like last month. So I finally yeah. was able to watch it. Um, <laughs> so the weird thing about this movie is it's a sci-fi movie about like an apoc- post-apocalyptic like city where it's the only place on earth that is hot enough to live, but it's like boiling mm. hot. And then okay. the premise of the movie is that, there's this big ship that once a year comes and takes all the horses that are like wandering around their wild horses around the city and then like takes a bunch of them to a colder place. And they also take some people and you have to have a ticket to get on the ship and everyone in this, there's just like organized crime trying to get onto this, to get a ticket to get on the ship. And so we follow three generations of women who have been trying to get on this ship and haven't been able to um like it's over three like 
periods of time. Yeah. Um, this entire movie was shot in one warehouse. <laughs> so the <laughs> really nuts thing about it is that it's all CGI, like done by one guy on a laptop, and it looks crazy. Um, Does it look good? Or it looks just great. Like, like it, wow. You would, like you would have never known. Like that huh. it was. I'm like, is this field CGI? Are is this like outside scene CGI? I have no idea. Like if you watch the trailer, it's just like which parts of it supposedly all of it is in a warehouse i don't really understand how it was done but there's like big ships and there's horses and <laughs> i don't know what they've done but it looks like they just it looks like a big budget sci-fi movie but it isn't that's really um, impressive especially because like there are fields and a lot of them are free to shoot in like yeah well i could, yeah. <laughs> i couldn't tell if like some of it like maybe they went to the beach and like only mm. the, but like so much of it like every shot has like this huge looming city in the background so like parts of it definitely are like even the ones that it's like oh well it's in a field like it had cgi in it so it's really crazy so i don't know the movie is astounding to watch and look at but it's uh, also very strange, and it it really reminded me of if anybody's seen Upstream Color. The pacing is like that, where it has no interest in informing you what the oh yeah situation is. Uh-huh. It's just like starts, and then it's like this woman who's living in a in like an abandoned building, and then she meets a guy who like is shot, and then she like heals him somehow with possibly magic, but it's mm-hmm. like not clear why or how. Um, and then they have a relationship, and then there's a ticket, and then a baby just appears, and it's like you're this is your baby now. And so there's like a lot of really confusing stuff that is only partially answered, and it's all in the service of like building a world in a really interesting way where it's just like, you're kind of confused and like, you don't know what happened and you don't know what's going to happen. But by the end, you don't really know what happened. <laughs> so I, it's, I've, I've found myself thinking about this movie constantly for the past, you know, week since I watched it and really not knowing if I liked it or not. <laughs> Cause it's like, cool. it made me, yeah. Yeah. Cause it made me feel like being a kid and like watching a razor head for the first time. Yeah. Where right. I was just like baffled by it. And I'm like, I don't know. I think it's awesome, <laughs> but I don't really know. I like that. Like lens of looking at movies through, cause I, you know, I have a letterbox and I'll like review them sometimes. I don't do the stars. And sometimes people will be like, did you like the movie or not though? And it's like, <laughs> that is like the most boring, like, level of it. like who fucking cares if i liked it or not this is like yeah, what yeah, i yeah. thought about it well that's why our our lens of of review here is is would you recommend watching it or not yeah that's much better yeah that's what that's yeah the, always at the end we say would you recommend it and oftentimes even that's difficult because it's like maybe if yeah, you are like, the it's kind like, of person are you in the right condition for this do you <laughs> yeah. care about this sort of thing like is this even something that's on your radar like right. i would recommend so the thing <laughs> yeah, about the are you wanting, busy? yeah <laughs> are you, exactly like i would recommend yeah. a four-hour movie to anybody who's got yeah. shit going on <laughs> Are you driving? Like, no, just focus on the road. (laughs) But yeah, Wanting Mare is a movie where it's like, it's a little slow. It's pretty kind of, you know, it's very artsy. It -hmm. has a lot of like, there's some really bad dialogue and like partially bad acting like sprinkled throughout. Some of it's really nice and takes itself very seriously. 
like the very last scene where like the elderly person from the first like the the couple from the first story kind of comes back and like re-engages and like that romance is like really good Mm -hmm. but some of the other stuff is like what's happening who are these people why are they talking so stiltedly like it's so bizarre that does it um does it feel like it suffers from the same problem as like the Star Wars prequels or like kind of what we <laughs> talked about last week, the Tom and Jerry movie where like, <laughs> oh God, like where like people are just like interacting as if they're not in the place where they are. Like, cause you're saying it's all filmed in a warehouse and then everything is kind of CG later. And that was a big thing with Star Wars where like somebody like waves a lightsaber in someone's face and their reaction is just to be like, huh? You know, no, and actually, like, it's Tom kinda... and Jerry, like the people don't even act like there's a fucking mouse around them or whatever. Like... Oh, no, no. It's not like that. <sighs> it's just that like it's. it's it... <laughs> did you watch Tom and Jerry? <laughs> oh, did I ever? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to make you guys talk about Tom and Jerry again, but it we did remind me of like, uh, have you seen Cool World? Yeah, yeah. Do you know Emily's how like Cool awesome. World, there's all these animations from Bakshi that just sort of like drift across the screen and nobody even notices them. That's how all yeah. the kids. Like, there's a cat. <laughs> It's getting hit with a sledgehammer and you're like trying to plan a wedding? Like, shut up and pay attention to the cat. You'd be like, what the fuck is happening? It's weird. It feels like an inappropriate movie to have watched last week when this week we're watching another movie that's kind of like. Right. I was thinking about that. But no, it's actually the opposite because like that, all of that stuff is the best part of the movie. Like Mm -hmm. you never feel like these people aren't in the world they're in. They're like constantly, they're constantly sweating and there's like horses look real and they're interacting with the horses. And like, I think they might be real horses in some shots. I have no idea. Um, (laughs) But what, what, what is the problem is that the actors are you know, amateurs and like are sort of just sort of sometimes aren't the best and the dialogue feels a little stilted Mm -hmm. and like written by a first time director. And right. So it it feels like a college movie that has $500 million on it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like a student film that looks incredible, but the story is also really interesting. So I've kind of gone back and forth on whether it's amazing or has enough problems where I'm like, watch it because it looks incredible but that's basically all you know what i just watched like the i think a, a week or two ago was uh, i had never seen suburbia oh, oh yeah yeah is i loved it but the, there's like a similar thing with the acting in that where it's like yeah it's all like 17 year old kids from like the punk scene in the 80s it's like they're not actors right but yeah. it, like after about 20 minutes i sort of broke through into the other side of like okay well this is just the world that this like movie creates but like it, I sometimes can get really into it when the Earth, you talking about Shane Carruth, like Primer, how like everyone's so bad at acting in Primer. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It made me, it's more like, it's like feels more real in a way. It's almost like you're just watching something. It's like less impressive. I don't know how to I totally, it. exactly yeah. what I'm saying is that it's like, it, it almost doesn't matter. But I think the, especially with Primer and Upstream Color, where everyone's just so stilted and like talking (laughs) directly into each other's eyes, like, "Uh, I like you a lot. And it feels like everyone's a zombie. There is that problem with this movie, except it's so uneven because some of the actors really sell what's going on. And like Mm, the last, like the last 30 minutes of the movie has these new actors who are supposed to be people from the first part of the movie, but older that are just like way better. And then there's like a, one of the criminals who actually gets on the ship is also like leagues above the rest of the actors you've seen. So it's like, Oh, well I wish it was as good as this now. Yeah. (laughs) So this is uh, like the children of the corn problem. 
with uh, <laughs> if, oh yeah, because <laughs> Isaac, the kid who plays Isaac, is like a real child actor, and he's like going right. for it. And if he was worse, like all the other kids are very bad in that movie. If they yeah. were all bad in the same way, it would be so scary. It would be like Village of the Damned. Like it would be scarier. But because he's better, it's like oh, shut <laughs> up, kid. Like <laughs> shut up, up you they little suck. kids. The best, the best versions of this though are always when it's all non-actors, and then there's one kid who's or one person who's like really, really, really good, and then he kind of becomes somebody from it, you know? Like, yeah, like I was naked. thinking of um, like Over the Edge, how Matt Dillon was a non-actor before that, and then oh, yeah. he's really good in that, and then people are like, "Look at that! That non-actor is really good. Let's make him a regular actor." You <laughs> is know, that or, really uh, his like origin story? I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was That's his first crazy. role. He wasn't really an actor before that. Um, what's his name? Uh, Joe Gilgan from uh, uh, from This Is England. Oh, uh, yeah. He's who's great in incredible that. in that. And then he becomes whatever, you know, he's on that show you watch, Bryn. What, the Which devil one. one. What, you have to narrow it down. Isn't he like the devil or something? In Preacher? In Preacher? Wait, what show? Oh, sorry. I thought you said Bran, and you were talking to me about a devil show I watched, and I was like, oh, no, sorry. It did I... actually just occur to me that you guys have very similar names, and this will be, <laughs> this may be a Brin. challenge. <laughs> uh, the devil show I watch? Yeah, Joe, the one that Joe Gilgan's on. Is that his name? Who are you talking about? <laughs> He's Woody in, in This Is England. Oh, 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 oh. He's a vampire on Preacher. Okay. Yeah. I'm not yeah. that far. Vampires <laughs> are kind of devils. And there is hell. And, and his stuff. name is Joe Gilgan. Okay. All right. Where, I feel I know, better. Yeah, no, <laughs> he's on Misfits. Did you guys ever watch the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Misfits? I watched a little bit of that, yeah. He's but funny Preacher on it. is an incredible show. What Preacher. a crazy show. Yeah. You know what it is, is I thought you were talking about, uh, like, there's a show on Fox that's like Lucifer or something like that. Oh, no. And like me and me and Mo one night, we were like, we need a new show to watch. And I was like, oh, Bryn says this show is really good. Oh, no. And we flip on like Fox <laughs> Lucifer. And it's like the worst show I've ever seen in my life. It's like he's like the devil, but he's like sexy at a nightclub. And he like <laughs> makes somebody crash their car. And then he like goes and like pulls them out of the car. And it, it's so stupid. <laughs> and like, I was like, man, this sucks. <laughs> Bryn has terrible fuck? taste. Yeah. No, watch Preacher. It's good. Um, Preacher. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's him, and he's a vampire uh, who can't, you know. But he also preacher is the one who has. Um, he gets so an angel and devil have sex and create uh, a a baby that has the powers of God, um, mm. and that baby uh, possesses the preacher, and he now has the word of God. So anything he says, he can make happen. Um, and then he's friends with a vampire for some reason. Um, it's crazy, but it's good. <laughs> isn't that the same guy who did The Boys? Like the, yes. Isn't it? Yeah. It's Garth Ennis. Which is The, the boys, boys good? The Boys is sick, too. Yeah. The Boys is the... I like it. It is the most... Uh, and I'm not like a, a thoughtful guy, but I correctly called this, and it's not hard to do. It is the most like based off of a comic written in 2004 ass thing I've ever seen in my mm. life. Like correct. There's all, it's like that show has the biggest ax to grind with George W. Bush in a way that is very funny. <laughs> <laughs> like Dude, there's Preacher a character is... called Homelander. Like, come on. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pre I mean, Preacher is the same way. I mean, like it's absolutely stuff that was like cool at the time. Like, literally one of the characters is a vampire for no reason mm. he's just a vampire and like you know it's fun and like it's 
it's it, there's a lot of stuff about the Vatican and yeah, it, it's a it's a definitely that guy was of his time, but I think the show is still really good. Anyway, let's get into the real movie we came here to talk about. Yes, which is Robert Zemeckis's follow up to Back to the Future. Uh, Whoa! Who framed Robert? Who framed Roger Rabbit? Robert Rabbit. Robert <laughs> Rabbit. <laughs> we all know him we all love him robert rabbit (laughs) Um, 1988 film who framed roger rabbit um yeah why you wanted to watch this right jeremy i did yes i really wanted to watch it and i wanted to watch it with branson and i wanted to because you're you're a cartoon man and um you love cartoons i love cartoons bryn loves cartoons we all we're all big animation fans and this is like this is one of those ones that I I revisit every so often, and I always forget how much I fucking love every single thing about it. Yeah, <laughs> like I I have trouble finding much in it to be like this could be improved. Yeah, should I do a quick recap of the story? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah so uh, we live in 1948. Um, three years after the end of World War II, I guess, um, in Los Angeles, 1948. Um, tunes are real cartoons are real and they're actors who are owned by studios like slaves yeah. uh, and uh, there is a private detective who um, is kind of washed up and he's a drunk and he gets a it's of all noiry and he gets a, a case he wants to investigate Jessica Rabbit Roger Rabbit's wife she uh, he finds out that he's playing patty cake with a lady he becomes embroiled into what appears to be a murder case. Um, and then Roger Rabbit is trying to find out what happened. So he hires him. He doesn't like tunes. He, does, he doesn't want to work for the cartoons. Uh, but he ends up kind of having to to save his own life. What you basically find out is that this movie has the same plot as Chinatown. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, where uh, the ruling class moguls of the of the judge who of Toontown and uh, the owner of one of the um, uh, studios that makes the cartoons are trying to basically destroy Toontown so they can make a freeway. Yes. Um, and all of this, basically the guy that Jessica Rabbit was playing patty cake with, which is fucking, but in this movie, literally playing patty cake um, <laughs> was killed because he was trying to leave toontown to the tunes uh sort of an employee owned situation um ben he was killed because they didn't want his will to go to them and they find out they wanted to steamroll that and literally kill all the tunes so they could build a freeway and you know buy the 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 beautiful train car system that they had in la this is a true story in the 40s um and make a freeway and make everyone buy cars for the benefit of car companies um and so they find that out through detective work. It's a very fun mystery. Um, lots of slapstick and funny stuff happens. And lots then, of incredible animation yeah, everywhere. And, and then they yeah. find out that that Judge Doom obviously is the bad guy, and he was also a tune, and he was the tune who killed the guy's brother. And then they kill him, and everyone lives happy. They find the will, and everyone lives happily ever after. Um, yes. So yeah, like you said, this movie is insane in terms yeah. of animation. Like I will. I saw this movie as a kid and I just like was floored going back to it this week and being like, 
all of this shit is on the ones and like the whole <laughs> like movie's on the, the ones it's insane <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's like it looks like the weird thing about that opening sequence where it's all an actual cartoon is like no cartoon has ever looked like that no Fleischer yeah. no fucking Warner Brothers Looney Tunes shit ever looked like that it it's, never looks like that but it, it captures so well like just the vibe of it even though nothing's ever looks that good nothing's ever looked that insane it's still you're j- you see it and you're immediately like oh golden age cartoon of course i get exactly what you're doing <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but you're doing it better and it, it, you somehow are you somehow are like capturing every element of of all the types of this like it's it's as much a looney tune as it is like a like a tex avery sort of like it's it's both it's so fucking god damn it's so good it's it's a movie that has the animation budget like right at the time because it's 19 what is it 1988 right at the time where there was like enough technology to make something like this happen but not enough where they could do it all cgi yeah and so they just like are throwing hundreds of millions of dollars at hand like cell animation hand done cell animation and it looks fucking incredible i could be mistaken but i believe 50 million (laughs) that shot of dumbo through the blinds the way they animated with each like slice of dumbo was like animated individually and like stacked up to create dumbo like that (laughs) i i love drawing i love like that i would rather be killed than be tasked with animating that that sounds so difficult it's it's so much labor in every single stupid shot of this movie It's really like just like, for like a small gag, not even a gag. It's not even a gag when like he like sees somebody walk through the door behind him and you watch him like track them and then watch them walk through the door. There's nothing happening in that scene except just making it feel natural and just almost just like showing off and flexing a little bit like, oh, yeah, look, we can make we can make the cartoon go through the door and you have no idea how we did it. I mean, it's the thing (laughs) of like the principle of the like swing the lamp, I believe, came from this movie of like when Roger Rabbit, when they're back in that room and it's like the handcuff scene with one of the best lines of like only when it was funny, like in that scene, they bump the lamp. And so the lighting is constantly shifting, which means every single frame of Roger Rabbit, they had to relight differently because (laughs) the lamp is moving and they did it just to fucking show that they could do it. Like that lamp did not need to get bumped, but they bumped it just to do it. And it's so, I mean, it's exactly, it's like, it had to be Richard Williams had to be the guy animating it. No other animator would willingly go through that. <laughs> like, a lot of the nine old men were alive when the movie was made, and, like, they didn't ask them. They asked Richard Williams, who was, like, just young and hungry enough to do it, but also just old enough to be, like, capable of making it. There really is only, like, a seven- or eight-month window where this movie could have been made, and that's when <laughs> everything came together to happen because, like, Otherwise, you wouldn't have had the rights to the characters, and that's why there's all these weird little, like, I'm sure you guys are going to get into this, but, like, all these weird little negotiations of, like, you get the Donald Daffy scene, which, for my money, is one of the best, like, moments in cinema of, like, (laughs) those two fight. It's, like, because they're equivalent characters, and so Warner Brothers and Disney were, like, these have to be together. You can't get one without the other. They have to be together. And that's why it's sort of a draw at the end of that. Like, they both sort of win the duel is because, like, that's how nitty gritty like the negotiations were. And that's why 
I think the worst scene of the movie is when Eddie's falling and Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse come and like don't really help him because there was another <laughs> scene that got cut where they go to the funeral and and this would have been so much funnier. Where <laughs> I'm so what upset about this still. Where Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse were going to be getting at the funeral uh, of uh, who? Uh, what's the guy? The um, oh the the guy who gets killed who has the will. Yes. Uh, okay. Acme uh, at his funeral. A limo was going to pull up and they were going to be getting out from playing golf with like a uh, like a Bing Crosby and like I think a Humphrey Bogart like lookalike. They were going to yeah. have been playing golf with those guys and they, they just like <laughs> blow into the funeral after that. And that's such a funnier way to use Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse. Yeah, for sure. Rather than because those two wouldn't they don't work as friends like the jokes of those characters don't really work very like mickey's just like right. a good guy and bugs is like a sort of a sociopath like <laughs> right yeah, yeah yeah bugs is bugs is just trouble all the time yeah he and mickey wouldn't be friends but they are it's funny if they're friends in a way that like is like a showbiz like hollywood way mm-hmm. yeah exactly right, like a professional like <laughs> relationship they and have. the other reason they're, I'm not, so they're definitely pissed. not skydiving together yeah, that's for that's, damn yeah. sure bullshit <laughs> So they had to throw that in afterwards and it's sort of, a, but the other thing that sucks about cutting that funeral scene is that was going to be Foghorn Leghorn's big scene. He was going to have a big, oh. he was going to be the priest giving the eulogy. Can you fucking imagine? Oh no, that's <laughs> yeah. so sad. Yeah, anyway, probably one of the top five worst things that's ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> Up there with like 9-11. Yeah. <laughs> Those are bad. Those are obviously probably even worse, but like this is definitely up there. there, It's up there, yeah. For sure. Yeah. So they didn't even cutting Foghorn Leghorn from this is yeah. It's a cruelty. It's been you can find it online. It was definitely storyboarded. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was animated. But there is a it's like later on, I forget. It's like Eddie is like washing up after something, and it's because uh it's like fine, you don't really notice it, but the reason he's washing up is because like he got like sprayed with something at the funeral. Oh, okay. Yeah, I would have loved to see that scene. Also, I think, you know, uh, you know, some of my criticisms of this movie are a little bit of it needed a, just a tiny bit more exposition, I feel like. I've seen this movie a couple times. You know, I watched it a lot when I was a kid. Um and I still was like, "Wait, what? Who is Acme and who is the mm. different guy? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why does he own Toon? Does he own Toontown? I feel like you don't really find yeah, that out Toontown for a while. Is Toontown like a private like endeavor? Is <laughs> yeah. it like a neighborhood? Like, I because my memory of it, I, it was it felt weird this time because my memory of Toontown was that it was like an ethnic enclave of L.A. That's how I remembered it. Yeah, and then seeing it as like, oh no, it's just like a different world that somebody like owns and stuff. It kind of, I don't know, it, it takes a little bit of the bite, I think, out of the commentary of, like, the Cloverleaf, like, putting the freeway through and whatever. Like, it, it feels like it could have had a stronger commentary if they made it more like, this is part of L.A., this is a neighborhood yeah. where Toon people live, and <laughs> right <laughs> this, this company is specifically targeting them as undesirables in this city, and they're going to put the freeway through their neighborhood. Right. I mostly think the movie does a pretty good job not overplaying its hand with the tune stuff in that way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like, I agree with you that like that would have been much sharper for them to do. But I also think there's like very easy to go get too heavy handed and go overboard yes. with that in a uh-huh. way that's like, well, yikes. <laughs> well, that's why I was like watching the movie. I had never like, as I you know grew up, I'd read about like how the red car thing mm-hmm. was real. And mm-hmm. like, it's a movie that's dealing with, 
you know, private corruption and you know, private public corruption and, and, and underhanded dealings and all this stuff. But I, until this week, had never really realized that, you know, the tunes are ghettoized and basically a stand in for like uh, an, an oppressed underclass. Right. Um, I'd never noticed that. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily <laughs> like <laughs> it, it, it feels a little weird to have like literally one black person in the whole movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then not mention that at all. And then just have like the tunes be like, they're the black people or they're the Mexican, right. you know, like, and, and even worse is like specifically the tunes that are used have, you know, pretty strong, like, Betty Boop is in it. Like, <laughs> there's some extremely racist Betty Boop stuff. There's like oh, bugs. Yeah. St- there, there, there's a couple of a couple things in their in their pasts. <laughs> More yeah, than yeah. a couple. There's like with Bugs' past. There's famously eleven things in his past that are. <laughs> and there's more. There's both. There's like way more beyond the band eleven. But like. It, those Betty Boops, some of those Betty Boops are like hate crimes. Like they are like They're so really bad. rough. <laughs> There's like the Betty Boop ones specifically you watch and you're just like, surely people even back then were like, this I, is I, this I is really racy. don't mean that this is a little, like, like <laughs> there are some like hateful Betty Boop cartoons. Yeah. But, you know, but the good ones, holy shit, are like incredible. <laughs> but the, the, yeah. just you can't ignore that the other ones are there. Yeah. yeah, and then to completely erase that part of the, you know, the history of them and then make those images be a stand-in for real people, like, I think now doesn't necessarily feel like the way they should. I th- I completely agree with Jeremy that it would have been nice to see that they were, like, living in a part of Toontown next to, like, mm-hmm. Black and Latino people. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to just put them into, like the oppressed neighborhoods maybe that would have been a more uh, yeah or even just like i think part of my problem with it was that toontown is fully animated and mm-hmm. that kind of makes it feel like a separate world and you kind of like it spatially feels weird where you're like like where is, is this it? in the city is this <laughs> yeah. like a How secret magic realm it like also i think seems... if they just used like a if they used a real set with real buildings and then put a lot of a lot more animated shit around it it would kind of work better yeah because part of toontown i'm sorry <laughs> No, I was just kidding. Imagine how hard that would have been. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, that would have broken. But the part of Toontown <laughs> feels like it like ends to wilderness. Like it seems like Toontown is like on the edge of LA and like beyond it is like desert right. or something. Like there doesn't seem to be <laughs> yeah. and there's even that one scene with like my biscuits are burning where like Yosemite Sam gets fired through like out of Toontown and lands mm-hmm. in normal LA where it's like it does see and I don't I absolutely there's no way this was intentional, but it does sort of I think accidentally create the feeling of like it's right of them to have sequestered Toontown like this because it's not safe for normal. Like you could die going to Toontown. <laughs> right. That's yes, true. absolutely. And also weirdly, uh, you know, if you make it the edge of town, literally, then it's like, is this even that destructive of a place to put the freeway through? If anything, know, this yeah. kind of seems like the smart place to put it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a tough it's definitely a tough line to walk, especially if you're I want to be rich really badly, Robert Zemeckis, who doesn't really give a shit. <laughs> uh, right. You know, but it's I think considering the the pitfalls they could have gone into, like it's pretty well done. Where yes. it's like, okay, we're not going to talk about the real 
you know, oppressed classes, racial minorities in LA. We're just going to pretend that this is how it is in this world. And it's like, I think you can critique that, but it also feels sort of the least bad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, The the options that were available on the menu to them, like the one that they chose, which is like the most destructive element of urban planning in the 1940s was that we lost streetcars. You're like, absolutely, that was the smart play for you guys to do. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. (laughs) (laughs) Which, by the way, absolutely destructive. Insane, insane tragedy of American history. Did you know, did you fucking know, back then, this is my this is my Roger Rabbit rant oh, yeah. for a second here. Did you know that back in the fucking 1930s, 1940s, the way that people talked about uh, mileage of track laid in America is the same way that we talk about like the military now. Like the way that you, right. like the American military is by policy three times the size of the next ten combined. Right? That's how big Jesus. our military is. Just by the way that we plan it. That's how we used to talk about fucking rail infrastructure in this country. We used to have. <laughs> We like like X percent of the rest of the world combined of miles of track. Yeah. And now we have nothing. We have fucking nothing. Nothing. <laughs> it's all like Christopher yeah, because- Lloyd cartoons fall. <laughs> you normalized it. <laughs> yeah. Uh and it is a tr- it's an absolute tragedy. And it's funny because, you know, the it seems like the writers knew that this was something this was like a pet sort of peeve for them where they were just like can you believe like why would we drive a car we can drive we can ride the red car like for no money like it's clearly beneficial to all people and he's like no you will because you're gonna (laughs) like it you know we're gonna guzzle oil and like just destroy the entire town to benefit yeah, we're gonna me make cloverleaf interchanges the most famously inefficient interchange there is <laughs> uh and that's all i think that stuff is all great obviously um and i love that this movie is somehow able to be like kind of politically aware of itself because it's a fucking movie about what if tunes were real <laughs> right um and i think that yeah, like you were saying, Branson, like, it feels like this movie was is a fluke. Like, it could have only oh, existed yeah. in, like, this one little like, moment where, you know, America is, it's 1988, like, we're entering the end of history, like, we're all riding high, like, but the way we look at, the way we look at our history is, like, kind of like, well, maybe some bad stuff did happen, and we can sort of, like, allow that to be because it doesn't actually challenge anything but it's (laughs) but it's a you know it's pretty crazy to look at in a fucking what in what nowadays would be one of the biggest like cash grabs like cynical like we're talking about like we're talking about a couple episodes ago space jam where it's like space jam was where warner brothers was at the height of their like cynical we're trying to be disney like we're just gonna plaster bug bunny and daffy duck's face on literally everything until people love us as much as them um and then just like doing a deal with nike doing a deal with the nba doing a deal with jordan brand and then just being like it does not matter if this movie is good, if it's written well, it just put a bunch of celebrities and give like half ass CGI animation. I mean, isn't um, it it's based on like a Nike commercial, right? Yeah. Like the yeah. proof of concept of the movie is a commercial. Like that's <laughs> fucking bleak. Yeah. And that was not that much long, you know, maybe like less than a decade later. Um 
and but this movie feels so so I don't really know much about like the actual deals that were done, but it feels like a, it feels like they both wanted to do something that was good. And that was like a little more important to them than how much yeah. money they could make. <laughs> well, it kind of has the spirit of two big companies that kind of feel like their time is kind of up with this type of thing. And not realizing, of course, that they have like decades ahead of them and like, yeah. you know, a whole renaissance for Disney that's coming right around the bend. But like, oh, my uh, God, this is pre Disney Renaissance. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. This is like Fuck. right at the end. This is the end of their like dry period. And like yeah. the Looney Tunes, it's like, who the fuck even like is like, that's true. There's just reruns. This is like, kind of feels like it's the their Hound, way of Black Cauldron Disney, which is like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'll pay you to use their characters. Like it kind of feels like it has the the sense of like two big companies who their best days are behind them and they kind of are seeing this as like almost like a like a like a like a like a goodbye like a sort of like a like mm-hmm. oh old chum like we bu- we battled it out for so long and That's like so interesting we, never- <laughs> we really gave them something to something to laugh at you know and like let's give them one last one last ride around the old track for for old time's sake huh and we'll put our characters together and we'll you know we'll really show them one more you know yeah like gentlemen <laughs> it's been an honor and they start playing <laughs> yeah, <and> like, exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah bugs and like the in the front of the ship and like the glass breaks <laughs> I'll never let go, bugs. Yeah. I'll never let go. Yeah, Daffy getting the fucking smokestack dropped on him. <laughs> <laughs> the unsinkable Tasmanian devil. Yeah. <laughs> but that's so strange because I never really thought of it that way. Because one thing I was wondering while I was watching this is why make up Roger? Like, mm. Roger is not doesn't really feel like an amalgamation of anything like he has a very specific i don't know he has a very specific personality yeah yeah um which is like doesn't take anything seriously all he wants to do is be funny and joke around but like why like there's definitely characters that fit that mold that they could have used from either era yeah from either company he could or i guess been... there's three right because there's like fleischer in here too yeah I, I don't i don't know i mean it'd be interesting a fleischer because a fleischer character in the 40s is a very specific so and they do that with betty boop where it's like the fleischers were yeah. out by the like they were right the Hayes code like fucked that them up real bad they were you know what i mean it's like uh if there were like a, a haze code for like podcasting or something, it's like a lot of our <laughs> friends would like go the way of the Fleischers, you know, like yeah, yeah. I would, I know like that, like, and so that sort of set the stage for Disney and Warner or Disney first and then Warner brothers to like pick up the baton. But like the Roger Rabbit to me, I think it makes a lot of sense that he watches goofy with reverence. Cause I think that's probably one of the oh, closer yeah. personality wise. That's one of the closer to him because otherwise he resembles a lot of like, screwball characters who like your screwy squirrels or woody woodpeckers who generally are presented as more insane and nefarious than roger because roger rabbit is a sweet guy which like you don't get a lot of cartoon characters who are sweet guys like that Mm -hmm. that's true not in the 40s at least like that's a very mickey or like flip the frog like a depression era but yeah. I wonder, like, you know, it wouldn't be too much of a stretch to, I mean, because Goofy's a sweet guy. Yeah. So, like, I, I wonder if, like, a part of the, it was, like, maybe a part of the deal. Like, maybe they wanted somebody like Mickey or, or 
goofy to like and like or even like Woody Woodpecker. Like Woody Woodpecker could be like, I'm a sweet guy. Like you don't, you know, he's it's all an act, you know. It's yeah. like yeah. we're actors. Well, uh, but think about it from <laughs> this perspective. Like you're you're working for one of these two companies and you know, somebody comes to you with this story and they're like, Okay, so it's about a guy, it's a cartoon character, we're looking for some IP for this. And, uh, you know, the cartoon character is married to a hot woman with huge, huge titties. <laughs> yeah. And just, uh, he's going to be framed for murder. And there's going to be some sexual innuendos and whatever. Like, neither of those companies would want any of their characters associated with that true. specific role. It's kind of like uh, when I made a joke about this on Twitter the other day that this is kind of like Watchmen for Golden Age cartoons. <laughs> yeah, And it, it kind is. of, it really, like, part of it is that, like, the Watchmen originally was intended to be real characters, right? right. Like, they were going to use... Um, the uh, what do you call them? The what was this characters? The, the from Justice League? No, it was like a like an old one that like nobody even gives a shit about anymore. Oh, I it's don't like, know. One of them is called like the question mark and whatever. Oh yeah, that like extremely Al- It's like Alan Moore and like seventy other guys know about like yeah yeah, yeah exactly. It's it, <laughs> they reference it in the in the script. Anyway, the point Legion is Legion of Heroes like, or something. But he originally went to DC and was like, I want to use your characters to do this story. And they're like, fuck no. And he's like, all right, then I'll just make some up. Yeah. You know, and like that's kind of what Roger Rabbit feels like to me is like, even if they wanted to get a real character for it, it's like, you don't want that. Yeah. You know? Well, it is based on a book to the who censored Roger Rabbit is like, so the guy creates. Oh, right. I haven't read the book, which is insane to me that I'm saying that it's like, oh, I should have. I should read that book, but I know they made a ton of changes, a a, a ton of changes from the book, enough so that, like, I don't think anything would... I got to imagine if you go to... I forget who did... um, This is insane that I don't remember who did Woody Woodpecker, like, which studio that was, but, like, Mm. I imagine the Woody Woodpecker studio, if they're like, could we make Woody Woodpecker the lead of a movie? It's like, you can make him the Black Dahlia killer. Just put him out there, (laughs) like, whatever. Get him out in the world. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, I've I've always I I every time I think about this movie, I realize I forget that there's a book, and then I'm like, oh, a book <laughs> of how who's about Roger Rabbit. What is it even about? Is it literally the same thing? Like, is it about? My understanding is this was treated with like a shining level of like reverence, which is like less than none, like for the source material. Where they just okay. were like, here's some ideas, here's the gist of it, uh, right. we're going to take that for inspiration, and then, like, I think Chinatown is, like, a, a, as you said, is, like, a bigger influence on this than the book was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, according to this, that the, you know, Roger Rabbit gets murdered <laughs> in, uh, in, I guess, like, the first part of the book, <laughs> and then, like, Christ. Jessica Rabbit is the widow, and, you know, his co-star is Baby Herman, Um but yeah, and then there's like a doppel. There's a genie. I don't know. It sounds insane. <laughs> Whoa. Um, but it it is true that the, it seems only right that it. What's funny about that is you say like, oh, no one would want to have this character embroiled in all of these things. But then Roger Rabbit becomes just as much of a character that they mm-hmm. you know bank off of and you know have yeah mer- merchandising of. Like I've been on the Roger Rabbit. Uh, ride at disneyland when they made toontown oh yeah oh uh, yeah and they had the fucking like uh benny the taxi i remember that. In him and you spun right, right. around on the on the dip and shit <laughs> whoa was it like um was it like a mr toad's wild ride sort of thing yep except yeah. it's 
it was like basically free spinning and you could like move it with the, oh, the yeah. steering wheel. So you could sick. like, it was like 360. Well, what's so crazy about that ride? Because those are also really interesting in terms of like technical things where it's like all tricks and it's like depending on where yeah. you're looking it's like how it looks this one you could spin 360 all the time and it was uh it was always very astounding the ride was very cool i went to toontown when i was a kid and i had if you've heard julio torres's bit about going to toontown I had a very similar uh experience that he did but worded less beautifully where i was just like this sucks <laughs> like the- <laughs> i didn't think about it much more than that i was just like what a disappointment <laughs> You didn't like Toontown? I I was so excited for Toontown because I had seen Who from Roger Rabbit. I was like, I'm I was young. I was like, I'm going to Toontown. And then you get there and it's like this door won't open. Oh like, sure, yeah. You know, I have to wait well, in like, line. I, I used to have a bit about um meeting a witch for the first time, and it's like a Wiccan woman who oh, lived okay. in my town. But like when I'm like going to school that day, I'm like, I'm gonna meet a green woman. <laughs> and then you get there and it's just like oh, the woman you know from the hippie store, and you're like, this fucking sucks. Yeah. She's not a witch. That reminds me of, there's a Dimitri Martin bit about that where he's like, Your uncle's a cat person. <laughs> uh but no, actually I um growing up, my parents were friends with a guy who was an imagineer for Disneyland. And so he was like showing me a lot of like the schematics for Toontown before it opened. And like if you I I, I don't think it exists anymore. But at the time, like when you were waiting in line for one of the rides, like his name was like hidden in one of the things, you know, like so I I kind of understood that sort of background by at that point, uh, even though I was also young. But it was very fun to see like this very like Roger Rabbit being a. you know, just as treated as any other character within the right. Disney canon. It's cool. I mean, the other thing that that created for me as a kid watching the movie was like, I think it is uh, who it's Roger Rabbit, Jessica Rabbit, Baby Herman, Benny mm-hmm. the Cab, the Weasel Brothers. And I think mm. the bullets that Eddie Valiant oh, fires, yeah, I think those are the only, I might be missing one or two. Other, oh, and obviously um, the Judge Doom. The Judge Doom. Yeah. And yeah, the, yeah. and the okay, so there's a lot and the shoe, but like, like the squeaky shoe, yeah. But some of those um, aren't characters; they're just like shit that they have. Like the yeah. hammer doesn't count, you know. Yeah, right. that's true. The shoe is more a plot device, but the bullets I love because there's like all this implied history with Eddie that we don't actually get, and it's just yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, <laughs> I love that. They're like, hey, I lo- do the bullets like come back to him? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. The last that stressed me out. Bought. I was like, it's gone forever now. Like that bullet just like lives in the woods. Like, <laughs> He can't move. He's a bullet. I guess he can fly. Well, they do have arms. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we see the, the Native American one pulls out like a gigantic tomahawk. Oh, and, yeah. That was know. one thing that didn't age well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, But that's a great. I love the gun. I hate that he throws the gun away and like he like doesn't have the gun anymore for Discards plot reasons. his friends. But it's like he had it in a case and like all, you know, Yosemite Sam gave it to him. Uh, that oh, was God. Really sad. Yeah. But the, oh, but I was gonna say that is the the Weasel Brothers. I was so pissed as a kid to learn that there were not Weasel Brothers shorts. I could then go watch because I loved them oh, wow. so much. And they're yeah. based a, a lot of them are. It's cool, like the hit of like who's based on what and everything. And like the 
the Weasel Brothers are based on like the weasels from Wind of the Willows, and they show up again in a goofy short when he's just like a dad as like organized crime guys. But like, oh yeah, yeah, they're not really that. Like those characters really were like invented for the movie, but they're sort of like visually based on those guys, and it's like I right. What you know? While we're throwing money at this and making all these like Roger Rabbit shorts in the early '90s, it's like, what did it have killed? I mean, just one, just one. It would have <laughs> been so cool to get a full Weasel Brothers short. They're so they're so like distinct and like they all have different characters and like you could do so much with them. Love yeah. what the hell? I didn't under I like there was a couple things in this movie that I didn't understand the logic of, and one of the biggest things was like, is it legal to just murder any tune if you can? Like, can you just kill with, like, any, no jury, no anything? And then it's like, can they die or can they not die? Because do the weasels actually die or do they just become angels? <laughs> they just become angel ghosts. My yeah. understanding of that is that, I've thought about this a lot, actually, <laughs> okay. is that you can kill the tunes, but they don't die. Like, it's, it doesn't really, ca- it's like, you can, even the weasels, like, my understanding of the weasels in that is, like, the weasels only die because they had established the rule earlier with Roger Abbott of like only if it's funny and like it's right, exactly, funny yeah. how they die so they're dead. Mm-hmm. And like that's And they're not like they're not gone dead. They're like little green poop ghosts now, yeah. you know, like they're yeah. And so now those ghosts exist as tunes, but yes. like those weasels, my understanding is they would come back if it wasn't funny enough in the plot that they died in that way and that is like to me that's like what's most brilliant about the movie is it sort of it's like we have these very specific rules for tunes that we adhere to. And you have to like learn that as like, that's part of the plot of the movie is learning about the rules of the tunes. But the dip is distinct from that because the dip kills tunes in a not funny way that leaves them permanently mm-hmm. dead. Yeah. But that yeah, literally a, just erases them. It's a, it's erasing stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's just paint thinner. Right. And yeah, I, yeah. I think that is illegal. My, my understanding is that like, they don't get into it, but it, I always assume that that's like, Definitely, you'd go to jail if you just got caught doing that on the street. Right, uh-huh. but it was. But the thing that scared me as a kid, we haven't really got into how scary this movie is. But um, what scared me as a kid is that Judge Doom just kills the shoe. Yeah, like, right. He yes. just murders the shoe right in the beginning for doing nothing. It's just like oh. just to demonstrate that he could. That he can, and, yeah, yeah. And it's like this is something I wanted to bring up too about the dip specifically. And in that scene, you see this where he puts on the gigantic glove to dip the shoe into the into the shit. Right. I kind of wish that the way that they figure out that he's a tune isn't that his eye gets knocked out, but that like that Bob Hoskins gets a little bit of the dip on him, and he's like, "This doesn't do anything." Yeah. yeah, wait. I, I, thought that, I thought that's how it worked. I know, right? I, I when I was waiting for that to happen, for like his like something to come on, like get a little dip on him and freak out. But that's not what happens. He just gets run over by a steamroller and doesn't <laughs> <Yeah>. die. <laughs> um, which is very also very funny. But I, yes. I, I, uh, I did. I do wish it was like that, where it's like this is it doesn't hurt people. It's just paint yeah. thinner. Because you see people react to it every time as if it's like acid and it's going to burn you. And like yeah. people are like scurrying away from it and stuff. But then, yeah, I wish that I, I honestly, I thought that happened. Mm-hmm. And I was like waiting for that to be the reveal. And then it never did. Um, but the ending sequence of this movie is a nightmare. Um, yeah. I, I, it's still it's still weird looking and it still feels like it's a David Lynch movie or something all of a sudden. Like as a kid. 
I mean, were we all scared of this or was it just me? Oh, I was like, petrified the, of it. This was so scary. Okay, right? Like of Christopher Lloyd, like with the eyes and yeah. like screaming and whatever. Yeah, it's fucking it's insane. So scary. When Judge Doom becomes the fucking uh cartoon he really is or whatever and like starts blo- even when he's like when he's flat and then he like sits up and it's like michael myers but even more surreal uh yeah, yeah that just destroyed my life and i would have to skip it because i i actually hadn't like seen that that scene for a long time i don't know if i'd ever seen it not through covered eyes until i was like an <laughs> yeah. adult like right now yeah. um and it's a very effective scene it's really, really scary. <laughs> that was, I think that was the first movie I ever powered through because I was just like, I just got to finish. Like, because I was, <laughs> I was scared. I had turned less scary things off and never returned to them at that point in my life. I mean, a few years later, I remember the intro to Candyman, like just the like urban. Oh, yeah. Before mm. it's revealed, you know, it's like, and that's the story of what happened. Like that intro fucked me up so bad for years that right, I was yeah. always like, Candyman is the scariest movie there could ever be. It's and then so I watched scary. the rest of it in my twenties and I was like, it was weirdly like patient character study of a horror movie. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the beginning when like the, when, when you meet the fake Candyman, it's all bloody in there. Oh yeah. It's scary shit. It's a very yeah. scary movie. But this is but one yeah. that like that visual, I was like, fuck. And then, you know, it's like, it had to power through. Yeah, cover your eyes. Uh, yeah, so this movie is good. I think there is uh, a couple things that didn't age well in terms of, like we said, the in Native American uh, bullet. Also, like the way that uh, Baby Herman is just like, the way we're going to show you that this is an adult movie is that he's just going to sexually harass women and no one yeah, cares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like a little fucked up. Um, it's funny because like that, it's like what we were saying is like that with just a little bit of, I could even maybe even hear the argument. I wouldn't agree, but like <laughs> that that bullet is there to sort of like, underline what these cartoons were doing and to sort of be like, you see, this is sure. for example, that it's like, yeah, but you right. invented that bullet. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. use a pre-existing example instead. And maybe there was a legal reason they couldn't. Yeah. It's but, like, who's going to let you do that? You know? Yeah. But um, the baby Herman stuff, especially is like, yeah, that will like, if like if Pepe Le Pew is doing that, that's one thing. But if a baby you invented is doing this, it's like, I don't know that you're holding a mirror up to anything there. Yeah. You're just doing it again for fun. Uh, It's, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's the (laughs) eighties. They weren't woke. It's the eighties. But Uh, I have one last point of discussion that I'd like to bring up before we, we start wrapping up here, which is uh, if, if there was a uh, sequel to who framed Roger rabbit uh, involving later later cartoons so we're we're now in the maybe like we'll say like the 60s okay uh and we're doing hanna-barbera like limited animation Um, stuff yeah so now we're yeah so now we're we're there what is the what is the plot of that movie like co and tell pro like where would you put where would you where would you put the hanna-barbera cartoons like where would you put that sort of stuff like what kind of setting it has to be like anti-war shit right I was thinking, but because what it is is the difference is that like this isn't really what's going on in L.A. in the '40s necessarily. Like the 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 mm. streetcar stuff and the highways is, but what they're doing is like the style of movie that takes place in the '40s, oh, right? Okay. Is, is like the noir movies. So what I'm thinking is like what kind of movies are in the '60s? Like what what's hot at that point that you can like kind of 
uh, kind of like use as your palette for telling the story, right? Yeah, I mean, like a Bond movie with like <laughs> with like Frank Flint or Fr- Frank Jesus Fred Flintstone, <laughs> Frank Flintstone, <laughs> Robert Rabbit, Frank Flintstone <laughs> together at last. <laughs> Robert Rabbit, Robert and Frank. Uh, what was going on in the? I guess like a lot of westerns, right? Westerns, yeah. Because mm-hmm. the other thing is, you want a big ensemble, or at least like a setting where you can put a lot of people, right? So I was thinking, like maybe um, uh, like a Cool Hand Luke, or like some sort of like a <laughs> yeah, kind like, of prison. Like a prison would be good. You'd have like you know Snagglepuss like breaking rocks and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> trying to plan a, a an escape like exit stage left even. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah or even like a like a star wars could work like the original like star wars and you're going to the different planets yeah. and like uh but that that veers too far into like well, what star they wars already is... would have made a cartoon of right that's the next decade though so you've got i think i think you're looking at you know i honestly i'm not just saying this because of my own brain but i do think it would be fun to like do a like psychedelic like mk ultra story where (laughs) they're like (laughs) but it's like kind of a western like sort of basically once upon a time in hollywood yeah you know mm -hmm. what i mean and then you oh that would be great if it's just if it really just is once upon a time in hollywood (laughs) but with cartoons where it's like sort of like you've got the person who was like famous in the 50s but it's like it's going away and like he's trying to figure out why it's going away and why like and that's roger rabbit you know the, yeah, the problem with this? Oh my god! <laughs> Why Roger Rabbit is changing? Roger Rabbit is Leo. Yeah, he's like older now. And <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But instead of finding out that like Charlie Manson is like going to change the sixties, and then he's like trying to just kill Charlie Manson, it's like he's like him and Eddie Valiant are like stumbling upon like this whole sort of like interwoven web of like the CIA like feeding this new drug to all the tunes to make them weirder <laughs> and they start like going all crazy psychedelic <laughs> oh wow you know the issue part of, with this with this premise is every year we get closer to Harvey Birdman attorney at law would be like <laughs> probably what the equivalent because you know what I mean it's like they were taking right, all these yeah, pre-existing yeah, yeah. like 70s I guess cartoons <laughs> man harvey birdman attorney at law the movie would be great <laughs> yeah actually that's not a problem at all that would be a an asset to I, <laughs> I really I, it breaks my heart that that didn't become like more the direction of adult swim and that they just started like buying existing shows I and know. like just showing that it was so much fun those early those early shows god damn C-Lab, yeah. Space Ghost, Harvey Birdman, where it's like just taking all of the pieces from the sh- the random shit they own that no one gave a shit about. Yeah, Harvey Birdman is the best example of what you could have done with that stuff, I think. First name, last name, and occupation. <laughs> lizard, lizard Man. man. <laughs> lizard Man and uh, Lizard Man. <laughs> oh, well, on that note... <laughs> one more thing one more thing and then we'll, and then we'll so- say, it's so weird on uh space ghost whenever zorak moves and you could tell they animated it in like 1998 or something and it's like <laughs> yeah. oh no there's three angles that guy exists from do not show his head turning <laughs> like that it's so bizarre <laughs> it's weird it's wrong don't show it 
<laughs> That's why the Brack show was so weird. Brack I show was too Brack much show. new animation, though. It was no, very. I'm with it. you. It was very funny. I love Brack as a character, but the animation. Yeah, I was actually was just like, thinking the other day of um, uh, Three Hands Will Kill Him. Three Hands Will Kill Him. <laughs> <laughs> just randomly, out of nowhere, it was not watching it. Was not thinking about it. Just Adam just started singing Three Hands Will Kill Him. <laughs> oh man, it's so good. Yeah. Well, anyways. <laughs> We'd all recommend the movie, right? It's a great movie. It's, it's the best. It's a, it's a, like, like Branson said, it's a, it is a fluke. It's a, it's this incredible little thing that just popped into the, into reality with all of this. It's, it's amazing that it exists and it's amazing that it's as good as it is still. Yeah. The, the animation, the story, the acting. It could never better. exist again. I will never exist again. I still don't know how again. they do it. Like, is it all just like drawn over that they have real people and there's real people the doing people? different stuff. There's a picture I saw on Twitter the other day of like some, some of them dude are floating with like his arms up uh, Bob Hoskins shirt <laughs> mm-hmm. to, to like do Roger Rabbit's body. And then they animate his head over the top of the lump. It's like all sorts it's of insane. practical effects with animation on top of it. There's a few. It's a, it's a masterclass. It's insane. I don't know if you guys know. I didn't want to tell you guys stuff. I'm, I'm sure you already know, but I don't know. Anyone listening might be interested. There's a lot of shots in the movie where Roger Rabbit goes up onto his tiptoes or like is up against mm-hmm. the wall and he makes himself taller and the reason that is is because Bob Hoskins who's doing an incredible job in the movie yeah, yeah. especially when you yeah. consider that he was mostly alone when they were filming it <laughs> yeah. like and also that he's british insane <laughs> unreal Brit- yeah <laughs> th- th- he's doing incredible but sometimes his eyeline is just a little off for how ha- oh, because yeah, of course yeah, yeah. you never met Roger Rabbit in real life for how tall I think Roger Rabbit's like four and a half feet tall is like how tall he would be. But Bob Hoskins is looking sort of all over the place. And so they have Roger Rabbit just moving up and down or he'll jump onto furniture. So because he is just like the animation is constantly keeping up with Bob Hoskins eyeline. And so (laughs) that changed Roger Rabbit's character and it made him actually more hyperactive because he had to be moving following this guy's eyeline. I think (laughs) that rules. That's so funny. Yeah, it's a it's a it's an astounding achievement, I think, and probably Zemeckis' best movie, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, even though I I do like all of the Back to the Futures, um, but this is just it's an this it's is just crazy. Something else. It's crazy. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's great. Um, There's nothing else like it. Yep. All right. Thanks so much for listening to Generation Loss. My name is Bryn. You can follow me at Kinematography. That's Jeremy. You can follow him at Jeremy Thunder. Check us out on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash Generation Loss and Branson. Tell them your things. Yeah, absolutely. Follow me at, at Branson Reese. Uh, listen to Rue Tales of Magic. It's good. And uh, uh, <laughs> buy my book of comics, Hell Was Full. It's available from Oni Press, wherever you get your oh, books. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So exciting. Thank you. Let's sh- check out the book. Get All the right. book. Yeah, just, just get the book. Follow us at Gen Lost Pod on Twitter. Uh, yeah, you know Patreon.com slash Generation Loss. You get know the all Discord. the Discord. We'll see you next time. Bye.